Oh, what a day! What a lovely day! <laughs> Welcome to the Mad Max Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we break down Mad Max one minute at a time. I'm Rick. And I'm Julia. And today we're talking about Minute 15 of Mad Max. It starts with Jesse staring wistfully out the window, and it ends with Max walking down the stairs to his car. Happy Friday, Julia. Happy Friday. Almost the weekend. Almost the weekend. So excited. So we start off this minute with the continued shot of jesse staring out the window and then we cut right to max who is still in the kitchen and he is very aware that jesse is upset that he has to leave so soon and so he is uh i feel like his excuse is that you know the goose wants him to show up early you know when the goose wants something you know it's important and I feel like Jesse doesn't really appreciate the goose as much as Max appreciates the goose. And I see that as kind of like the wife versus the best friend. Wow. Okay, I have a lot of feelings about this minute. Okay. <laughs> okay, and they're conflicted feelings. Okay. So let's start from, let's start with Jesse. I do not like her in this minute. I think she's being selfish. I think that when you are in a relationship and when you are part of a family... You do what needs to be done for the good of the family. That's what Max is doing. He is going to work so that he can provide for their family. We have no evidence that Jesse works. So Max is the sole breadwinner. And you do what you have to do. And if it sucks for the family, for family time, well, then it does. And we know plenty of people. We have plenty of friends. And growing up where one parent wasn't there that much because they were at work, because they had to get a second job. You do what has to be done to to make sure that the family as a whole has what they need. So I really don't appreciate Jesse's attitude. But on the flip side, if you've been away from home for three days, you're home for one night, and now you're leaving for another however long, we, we really don't know how long he's leaving for again, but let's say it's another three days, like he has a three-day shift. You're going to leave early because your best friend, who you see at work, wants to spend extra time with you? No, no. Even if he's leaving an hour early, that is family time. And Goose has no right to take that away from Jesse. So I see both sides of it. I don't appreciate Max leaving earlier than necessary, especially since we kind of think that he's only had one night at home. Mm. If he had had like three or four nights at home and he's leaving an hour early to hang out with Goose, fine. But the way it's set up makes it look like he's only had one night at home and an hour is an hour. And when you only have 12 of them, that's a long time. Right. I subscribe to the school of thought where when you're measuring time frame in movies, if you're not explicitly told it's been one week or it's been several days, that when you see a day shot, a night shot, and then a day shot, that is one evening. One evening. So based on that logic, he's only been home for 12 hours. Yeah. And I kind of look at Jessie's situation more like she's a single mom. It's just her and the baby. And we don't know if Jessie has other friends, other single moms that she can pal around with. And so these three-day spans 
sound dreadfully boring. And I agree with you that it's not necessarily fair to her that Goose is pulling Max away from her so soon, especially considering the environment they live in. And I looked very closely at the set that they're milling around with in this minute. And the one thing that really stood out to me is there is a lot of... In my notes, I called it unfinished wood, but I'm sure it's coated in some way for durability, but it's very plain wood. The cabinets are plain wood. The walls are plain wood. The floors are at least stained a different color, (laughs) but there's just so much natural wood in that space that it's like an oppressive amount of wood. It seemed very 70s to me. Yes. (laughs) Not just the... um, Not just all of the wood, but also the general decoration of the space. We mentioned that briefly last minute. Some of the the more oddball things that are in their apartment. And I think I counted about eight different plants, for one thing. Okay. Uh, There's also the mannequin head wearing sunglasses (laughs) and the sailor cap. Yeah. Um, There, Next to a tea set on the counter, there is a ceramic turkey. Which, they didn't explicitly say it's around Thanksgiving, but hey, it doesn't have to be Thanksgiving for turkeys. And plus, they're not in America anyway, so that's kind of weird. But the favorite piece of set dressing that I had, down on the counter next to like this dark green glass, they had a toy police interceptor car. Just a little yellow toy car. Oh, I didn't see that. That's cute. Yeah. So, I thought that was kind of fun. Because, you know, of course, Max would get his kid... A little car that's just like the one that he drives. Yeah, but instead of the kid playing with the car, which we'll get into in a few minutes, the kid is playing with something else. Mm-hmm. So Max, as we said, tells her that he's got to leave early. And then it's kind of a, I, I felt like a bit of a peace offering statement, but he tells her that coffee's ready. And that is what pulls her away from the window and makes her walk, walk across the apartment. And he's he's nice. He puts a mug out for her. But as she's walking across the apartment, she has to step over the kid. Yes. And in this moment, I um, couldn't help but notice on the first viewing of this movie, and this is something we'll definitely be able to notice more in coming minutes, but I feel like when they were writing up the wardrobe for Jesse's character, they had a section of the page designated for pants, and they just left that blank. Because I feel like for most of the scenes that she's in, she's not wearing. She's just pants. not wearing pants. And it's like, hey, you know what? I'm not saying she's got bad legs. She's got very nice legs, but you, pants are important. I don't know. I'm trying to. I'm trying to have an opinion about the pants. Trying to think of what I would do if I was home all day with my kid. It's just the two of us, and we're just doing our thing. You kind of, you wear whatever you're comfortable in. And she was wearing pants in an earlier minute when she was playing the saxophone. Yeah. So it's obviously like, like, this is is early in the day. This is just, she's in her pajamas. And that's what she was wearing to sleep. But later on, there's that portion where she's going to and from the beach where she's not wearing pants. Well, she's not supposed to be wearing pants. Because she's going to the beach. Right. Um. I think in all of the driving montages, she's wearing pants. But I think I might be thinking too much outside of this minute. So let's focus back in. Okay. But like I said, she crosses the room, sits down at the counter in just an absolute huff. <laughs> yeah, this this type of behavior really annoys me. Mm-hmm. I, 
I'm not saying that she should suppress her feelings for the sake of her husband, but she needs to be a team player. I feel like there are more constructive ways to convey to someone that you are upset at a situation or disappointed over a sort of behavior than huffing around and not coming right out to say it. Yes, and Max knows exactly what she's huffing about. Right, he's able to read the situation. Yes, but yeah, I think she handles it very poorly. And she makes their last few minutes together less enjoyable. Like, Or she could say, hey, I'm not happy that you're leaving early for the sake of hanging out with Goose. I think you should stay. And then, you know, have a conversation, have an open and honest conversation about how he treats his home time. Come to some sort of resolution, whatever that may be, and move on. If you only have five minutes left together, enjoy your five minutes. If you win the argument and you get another hour, enjoy your hour. Mm-hmm. I Yeah, I think she's being not a great team player. Yeah, she's being so pouty. And Max's answer to her being pouty is to reach behind <laughs> him and grab like a rubber mask off. And I guess that must be like the grumpy mask. Yeah, I got the sense that it was like a... Like an inside family joke, like yeah. a little tradition that they do together, which I think is it next minute with the sign language thing? Yes. Okay, so I got the opposite impression, which I'll go, I'll talk about more in the next minute, but this really did feel like it's something, a game that they play. Yeah. And it's an odd one because it's a really weird mask, but you know, whatever. We all have weird little family traditions, so. Mm-hmm doesn't work no <laughs> she she calls him out pretty quick after he puts on that mask saying yeah. that she's not grumpy right it's like yeah yeah you kind of are yeah and he promptly gave up so right that's that's appreciated that he realized what he was doing isn't gonna work and he gave up yeah and then he hops up on the counter to get it face to face with her can we take a put a pin in that real quick and talk briefly about max's wardrobe He's wearing that gray t-shirt that we saw in the last minute. Yes. But he's also wearing what are supposed to be interpreted as leather pants. But as we heard in a Mel Gibson interview. Confirmed they were not leather pants. Yep. Bisley was the only one that was actually wearing leather because he was on the motorcycle. Everybody else had vinyl. Yes. And he said it was the most. He said it was the most uncomfortable experience. And even Steve Millichamp was talking about how. It's the first time and the last time he ever rode in a car wearing vinyl. Wearing vinyl. Going back to the idea of wearing leather pants all day. Now, I cannot speak from experience. I've never spent a day in leather pants. I've never spent a day in vinyl pants. I'm a big fan of denim and cotton poly blends. But the idea of spending just the entire day wrapped in a material that, while durable, is also not designed to be breathable, just sounds awful. Yeah. Like, I've, I've, I've worn leather chaps. Yeah, I was going to ask. You've gone on a couple of rides that have been, like, day-long rides where you've worn your chaps and it, how that makes you feel. Yeah, the nice thing about chaps is that there is a layer of fabric between you and... The leather. Yes. I mean, I've never written with only my chaps on. I'm not that kind of guy. But just the idea of close-fitting leather, and his pants are close-fitting. Yeah. Like, you, they don't leave a lot <laughs> to the imagination, because they are just on there. But, 
just the idea of wearing leather pants all day just sounds so uncomfortable. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Somewhere in here, I can't recall exactly where, we get a quick close-up of Sprague playing on the floor. Yep, that's a second 42. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so do you want the uh, IMDB continuity error as it's written out? (laughs) Sure. Okay, so straight from IMDB continuity error page. When Max is playing with the rubber mask to cheer up a not grumpy Jesse before he goes to see Goose, the baby, Sprog, in the background has different toys in his left hand each time we see him. When Max takes off the mask, Sprog has a brick, ball, or similar object that that he can clearly lift and then the plush toy is behind him, out of reach. When Max jumps onto the table, we see Sprague in close-up holding the barrel of Max's service revolver, and then after Jesse tells Max to get out of here, Sprague now has the plush toy that was sitting behind him. So there's no continuity about what he's playing with, probably because they had to do multiple takes, and you can't direct a baby like you can an actual actor. Right, but I feel like continuity issues are not the issue to pay attention to here. You're more concerned with the Their baby fact that is playing with a gun. Yeah. Like, with the barrel in his hand pointed towards his face. I, just, I mean, he's not even playing with it in a safe manner. I just am completely... I don't even know what to think about this. Well... Because I just... I... It goes to show that I, 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 dingoes are not the only danger to infants in Australia. I have no words. And every time I've seen it, this scene... Described in writing, it's always his service revolver. Well, doesn't that mean it's the one that he carries with him on a regular basis? Mm-hmm. So, isn't it loaded? Mm-hmm. Okay. Typically. <laughs> okay. I mean, we can't even make you ar- make the argument that it's not a loaded gun, that it's completely emptied, and like they double-checked that it was emptied before they gave it to him to play with. Yeah. I just... In, like, in-universe, I imagine that... That Sprague, like, crawled over to where Max had his holster hung up and pulled the gun out, which seems unlikely, and then crawled back to his spot on the floor surrounded by the other toys that go in and out of his hand in different shots, mm-hmm. and was just playing with it. His parents are too preoccupied with their own problems to worry about their child. I don't know. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I looked up a fun fact... So according to an October 2015 Washington Post article, toddlers, that is children under the age of three, killed 12 people from January 2015 to October 2015. So they're small, but they're deadly. Yeah. (laughs) And these aren't like, you know, kids hurting themselves. These are kids hurting hurting other people. Yes. Like this movie, if Sprague had handled the service revolver the wrong way he could have ended this movie really quick and we wouldn't get any sequels nope end of franchise right there (laughs) it's a good thing that uh the baby wasn't secretly a a gang member or anything like that right he wasn't a plant because Sprague does kind of sound like the name of a dude in a motorcycle gang yeah absolutely i mean it kind of sounds like cog or some sort of machine nickname yes all right, so so as the baby moving, is in the background playing, moving past the baby problem. Yep. So Max and Jesse are face to face, and she looks up at him, at him, and she just tells him to get out of there. Now this felt a little bit playful to me. It did. It did. I agree. It. When I find myself upset, mm-hmm. 
And you may not really know this because this is all going on in my head. And so I find myself upset, but then at some point I'm no longer upset and I just want to return to being normal. That's a hard transition to make. Like I've, I've declared myself upset. I've yelled or done something and I've secluded myself. I've like gone to my room and it's a really difficult transition for me to go back to just being normal, even though I feel normal. So I've putting myself in her place. I would, I can imagine using that opportunity of saying something slightly playful and then and then like turning the corner into no longer being mopey, using that to get out of her sulkiness and just be normal again. She doesn't. She's, she says, get out of here. She sounds playful, but then she still is acting like she's like she's upset. Mm. So I'm not really sure what like I'm not really sure what was going through her head. Like, I'm not even sure Max knows what's going through her head, which is why he just kind of says right. okay and gets up. Right. Because when you're dealing with somebody who isn't going to be happy and you've done your little tricks to make them happy and they're still not happy at some point, you're like, oh, fine. fine. I'm, I have to go. Yeah. You can't. Sometimes you just can't work with those people. And you just say, okay, if that's if that's the way you want to behave, then that's how you can behave. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wrote the note down on here. The note I wrote says he doesn't seem to be charmed by her act. Mm. He's not He's not playing her game. Yeah. Now, did you pay particular attention to the soundtrack in this scene? No. Because I've noticed that Jesse's theme is present throughout this whole, scene, this whole scene. Obviously, because we're in a scene with her. Yeah. But the way they do it, it's very good at conveying her disappointment and mopiness because it's very slowed down and it's kind of got that feel to it mm-hmm. but i think my favorite moment of in the soundtrack for this scene is probably when he puts the mask on and he's not on screen yet there's kind of a sinister sting to it not like a like a sharp sting but kind of a couple of measures where the music sounds a little sinister and then she says i'm not grumpy and he takes the mask off and it just goes back to normal oh nice and i thought that was a nice little touch <laughs> there's a couple notes as he's turning around to get the mask off of the counter where they kind of throw in a kind of like noirish muted trumpet kind of comes in for a couple of notes and i like when they they make little nods cuz i think the muted trumpet is always pretty much shorthand for you know the hard-boiled detective type of thing and so this is kind of his moment of figuring out what's going to yeah. break her of her mopey yeah, and I kind of yes. like that uh, we don't immediately know that he's going for a mask. And so he turns around, we get that kind of noirish couple of notes, and then he grabs something, and then the music gets a little sinister, and then we see that he's wearing a mask, and it gets a little lighthearted again. But it's it's interesting the way they, they used that, for sure. So, going back to the minute, Max gets up, hops off the counter, goes outside, and as he's walking down the stairs i couldn't help but notice but you can hear his police radio going and the windows to his interceptor are down yes and you can just hear the radio blaring yes and i actually note that in the next episode yeah we'll talk more about it for sure um because i have some thoughts on that yeah what um what really bummed me out is that i couldn't find a transcript of what was being said yet again just because it was too faint for me to hear on my own and i doubt that 
anybody else has been able to figure it out because I couldn't find something in a search engine. Yeah, if it's not in the script. Although, I'm surprised it's not in the script because we have learned that the script was 214 pages? Uh, Originally. Originally, the script was 214 pages. The average script is 90 or so. Mm -hmm. Um, They say a page per minute. It was so long because due to the constraints of the budget... They scripted out every single shot. They didn't get to do a scene a couple of times, trying it from different camera angles and trying it in different ways. They had one shot. So so everything was very, very written out. So I am surprised that what the dispatch is saying isn't in the script. Hmm. I would like to see that 214-page script because the one that I have is basically every DVD, every Blu-ray that has closed captioning ah. has a file that pulls okay the closed i see captioning. so it's that's not, what i have it's not official right okay it's not an official sanctioned george right. miller signed script although that would be very would, interesting to see it would be amazing to have but <laughs> yeah <laughs> unfortunately don't have anything like that and probably won't ever nope. uh something that interested me as we see max walk out the door and start to walk down the stairs you get much more of an idea that what we took for a house is more like an apartment building. Mm. More like probably a house divided up into apartments, which we've mentioned before. But it became very clear in this scene where you see that staircase. They clearly live on the second floor. Their house, their apartment, I should say, is clearly a glorified studio slash one-ish bedroom. Mm -hmm. And we, we definitely see that there's more house than that. So it is... I think it's safe to say that it is an apartment. Yeah. I think based on the realtor listing that I saw, you could probably guess that there's probably two other apartments in that building. That's right, because the plumbing. You don't... I mean, you can renovate a house, but how often do you really change much by way of plumbing? Plumbing is a tall order. Yes. When it comes to changing things around. It's like the number one reason we haven't renovated the upstairs bathroom. Is because we would have to change the plumbing, and that's just not really... Something I don't Reasonable. want to, have to deal with. No. <laughs> and I would assume it's a septic system. It doesn't seem like the type of area that would have city water. Well, the city of Melbourne has had sewer systems for a long, long time. That's true. This um, seems out of town, though. Yeah. Well, it's based on the Google Maps. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, yeah, on the out. It's not in the center of town. It's more on, like, the edge. But... The thing about Melbourne is it goes all the way to the beach. And so, yeah, it's a more sparsely populated area. It's not like it's not like they're filming this house right in downtown Melbourne. But it's probably still within reach of the the sewer system. Okay. Yeah. We'll talk we'll talk more about Melbourne's sewer system when we get I think, <laughs> to minute 17. Okay. <laughs> So next Tuesday, we'll talk more about the... I don't recall that being pertinent information for Minute 17, but... Oh, I I make it. You, yeah, you definitely look at these minutes with different eyes than I do, so... Well, that's why there's two of us. That's why there's two of us. Because if we both looked at it the same way, these episodes would be much shorter than they already are. Yep. I think that takes us to the end of the episode. To the end of the minute. Because we get maybe like a half second of Jesse stepping outside. Yeah. But we don't like get to what she's done, doing yet. So yeah. we'll get to that on Monday. Okay. So, Julia, do you have any Friday recommendations for people to check out over the weekend? 
Uh, so my recommendation is a book called Seven Eves uh, by Neil Stevenson. And it's definitely not a recommendation just for the weekend. It took me three months to read it. It's quite large. I had to use all of my renewing abilities from the library and I still had to pay late fees because it took me that long to read it. But it was totally worth it. It is post-apocalyptic in a very unusual way. It's a story about the world ending and it takes place over 5,000 years. So highly recommended if you like sci-fi type books. Um, it's not... It's not too, too technical. It gets a little bit technical, but not too bad. But very interesting. Highly recommend it. And actually, a friend of mine just finished reading it, and I haven't seen him since he finished reading it, so I haven't gotten to talk to him about it yet. But he's the only person I know who's read it, and so I'm dying to get to pick the book apart with somebody. So, highly recommend it. So my recommendation is not quite so heavy. My recommendation is another podcast that you can listen to. It's produced by the Chicago Podcast Collective, and it's called Hello from the Magic Tavern. If you've ever played a game from the Jackbox Party Pack on the Xbox or PlayStation or anything like that, it's basically made by the guys who put all of that together. They get together for a weekly release of the main narrator who fell into a magical portal behind a Burger King. And every week, he and his two co-hosts, one is a shapeshifter that looks like a badger, and the other one is a blue wizard. And they sit in the Vermilion Minotaur, which is a magical tavern in the land of Foon, and they interview different characters that just wander into the tavern. And it's got an element of improv to it. It's got a (laughs) ever-expanding lore to it uh, as far as who is who and how the kingdoms are set up and whatnot they've done about a year and a half i think about 19 months worth of content so if you have a long commute or you enjoy listening to podcasts it's definitely one to check out because it's it's really entertaining at times absolutely and if you can latch on to one of the characters it's even better so You can find that on iTunes and Google Play. Just search for Hello from the Magic Tavern. And I think that wraps it up for this week. I think so. So on that note, our website is madmaxminute.com. You can follow us on Twitter at madmaxminute and like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash madmaxminute. Thank you for joining us for Mad Max Minute number 15. Hope you have a great weekend and we'll see you on Monday. Motorbikes and leather men.